I love bundles cause they love me so much And I love bundles cause you know they're gonna touch my soul You know That was my bundle song, Whitney, because I'm excited about this new vegan bundle we're a part of So I had to sing it I, I was really hoping that you were gonna rhyme like bundle with trundle Or like some crazy words like you do Like when you rhymed purple with derple I like it when you do zany things like that And I appreciate you making this fun because this is our intro for an announcement we have about participating in the plant-based bundle this year, which is happening for a limited time. We decided to submit our course, The Consistency Code, to this incredible bundle sale, mainly because we wanted to remind you that we have a course called The Consistency Code in case you missed that when we launched it in 2019. It's one of the favorite, our favorite projects that we've ever worked on. And normally it's $197 that you can now get it for just $50. And in addition to enrolling in the consistency code, you also get over 60 ebooks and other programs related to plant-based living, to fitness, including recipes, meal plans, it's really great. We made it super easy for you to check it out. It's at bundle.wellevator.com, which is spelled B-U-N-D-L-E dot W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. If that's too long for you to remember, we don't blame you. We'll be sure to put it in the show notes of this episode, which you can easily find by going to wellevator.com. Again, that's spelled W-E-L-L evatr.com. We'll tell you more about the consistency code later on in this episode, but we wanted to dive right in. So let's get started with this amazing show we have for you today. It's said that your real life begins where your comfort zone ends. Well, it's about to get real as we have radically authentic conversations to help you thrive in your personal and professional life while navigating the twists and turns of being human. Buckle up, because this might get uncomfortable. Starts right now with Jason Robel and Whitney Lordson. Today's episode is based on a section of our free ebook, Take Charge, which you can download on our website, wellevator.com. And this last section of the ebook is about how to prioritize travel. And I think of any section that we wrote in that ebook, which came out in 2019, before the pandemic, before COVID, this section I'm really curious to go over. This is the final episode of this series. If you haven't listened to the other episodes yet, and you're not familiar with the Take Charge ebook, we wrote this in November 2019 to help people get more consistent, stay committed, and follow through on their health and wellness goals. And we pulled these subjects from frequently asked questions and concerns that were coming from people like you in uh, our audience throughout Wellevator and our individual work with Jason's platforms and, and mine on social media and our newsletters. And travel came up as something that a lot of people wanted to do. But it's a really interesting subject now that we're recording this in November 2020, because A, people are traveling a lot less this year in general. It is certainly not meant to be a blanket statement, because I think some people 
have gone on with their lives as, quote, normal as possible. Some people don't want to stay home all the time. Some people are comfortable going out and traveling despite the pandemic. As long as it's allowed, they're probably doing it, right? Some people are the exact opposite and they're staying home. So we don't want to make assumptions about you, the listener. But of course, globally, travel has changed a lot. And so we're going to be going through this last section of the Take Charge ebook and reflecting on what's changed since we wrote it, because this book is full of advice, mostly curated from a wonderful group of people that we met through No Meat Athlete, which is a great platform that we've been part of for a few years. So it's also interesting timing because Jason and I have also recently completed some travel of our own. So we're going to talk about our experiences with that. We have referenced it before. So our our aim with these episodes is not to be repetitive. But we also don't want to assume that you've listened to those episodes. So we might overlap with some subject matter here. And of course, just like you, our opinions on things are constantly changing. And certainly, I've changed a lot since I traveled. And my perspective is constantly shifting with that too. Yeah, this subject is so interesting, Whitney, because I feel like I miss traveling, you know, and and even though you and I just recently got back from two individual journeys, mine visiting my family in Detroit, you visiting your family in in Massachusetts, it's something that I've I've kind of another thing I suppose I took for granted in reflecting on it, because every single year for maybe the past seven years, I've just done a lot of traveling every year, speaking appearances and Uh, You and I going to different trade shows or conferences, sometimes speaking and going to a conference, there's a lot of overlap. And I think one of the biggest adjustments for me this year has been around travel because so much of my travel has been tied around our brand or my individual brand or making money. And a significant chunk of my personal income has been really affected by the lack of being able to do conferences and festivals and trade shows. So for me, it's not just personal travel, but I'm also reflecting on how much travel has impacted me professionally and financially too, or the lack thereof, right? And between you and I, I still, I still would like to do one road trip before the year is done. I don't know. I'm, I think I'm, I'm feeling like the Pacific Northwest, but I think one more road trip is going to happen before the end of 2020. I'm just, I'm feeling around that right now. Yeah, it's interesting because for me right now, I am not making any plans. <laughs> I mean, I just came back from my trip just over a week ago as of the time of this recording. So I feel like part of me feels like I do want to travel again, like you're explaining, Jason. Part of me feels like I, quote, got it out of my system for now. And then another part of me feels like I have no idea what I'm going to feel comfortable traveling again. And that's probably the biggest thing that's changed for me is I found a lot of comfort with doing my road trip. And I felt like I took a lot of precautions and was really mindful. And for you, the listener, I talked a lot about this in previous episodes about the road trip. If you go to our website, wellevator.com and just search for road trip, you'll find all those episodes. And Or you have to go into the podcast section, by the way. We technically have two websites that are connected and eventually they'll be more merged. But long story short, our podcast had to be on a separate platform than our main website. So just make sure you go into the podcast section of wellevator.com. And then you can use the search tool. And it's really great, actually. It, it is very accurate in terms of its 
in terms of the results that you get after you search. And of course, you can also just look on your podcast player for any episodes that have referenced travel and road tripping and all that. But I, I will say that my opinion has changed a lot. And I'm curious about yours with this, Jason, before we dive into the tips from the Take Charge ebook. I temporarily have plans for a, a short trip to go up to Big Sur area. A friend of mine's dad, who I'm close to, is camping up there. And now that I have become kind of an experienced car camper, he said I was welcome to go up there and use his camping reservation or meet him up there and camp alongside him. And and that sounded really appealing when he brought it up. I haven't checked in with him about it. So who knows if that opportunity is even still there. But a big question of mine is we don't even know what opportunities we're going to have next. And I think that's the ongoing lesson with COVID is that we don't have quite as much control over the future as we thought. And, and we've talked about this a ton on the show and how COVID has shown us and revealed to us basically all this uncertainty. And it's so important to be present. So as much as a road trip might sound nice to you or I or the listener, Jason, none of us even know if that will be, quote, possible. <laughs> you know, like We might be breaking the rules of the state that we're in or the country that we're in to travel. And we just can't even make assumptions about what we're going to be technically allowed to do or want to do. Or, or the other big thing is that traveling is not the same. And I think that's part of the challenge here and the sadness, as you were expressing, because normally I would have done at least two extra trips this year. First of all, I'm incredibly grateful, Jason, that you and I went to the Fancy Food Show in January. And for you, the listener, I have a whole episode about that experience. As Jason alluded to, it is a trade show for food, fancy food, which is like, you know, a category of, of natural foods and higher end foods. Gourmet is a better term, I suppose, than fancy. And you hesitated to go on that trip, but you ended up coming with me. We drove up there. We had a really great time. And it's so interesting to look back on that, Jason, because you almost did that trip in the assumption that, oh, well, you'll be going to the Natural Products Expo in March. And you and I also had plans to do the fancy food show in New York this past June. And we assumed that we were going to get to go to the Natural Products Expo in Philadelphia. So we had four trade shows planned for this year. And thank goodness we went to that first one because we had no idea back then that three out of the four were going to be canceled. Well, it also is an interesting question moving forward of, to me, not assuming or expecting that we are going to have any kind of concrete timeline for when public events of this nature can be reopened, right? Because there's, there's layers to this. We, we talk a lot about sporting events and other kind of public-facing events. This is a little bit more specialized in the sense that sampling food, touching, tasting, eating, just free open-handed samples, you know, you get sample cups and whatnot. I think the layer of complexity, Whitney, with whenever these are going to come back is going to be higher as a result of the fact that food and eating food publicly around other people is such an intrinsic part of that experience. So for right now, Expo West got rescheduled to late May. I think it's the I think it's the last week of May now, but 
again, my point is we have no guarantee that'll even happen, right? So it's kind of going into 2021 with, I think, tempering our expectations a little bit, right? Not like everything's magically going to be resolved on January 1st. We know that, right? There's this temptation, a new start, but we know not everything is just going to get the reset button hit. But I think moving forward into our trade shows or travel for next year, Whitney, there's no guarantee that's going to happen either. We're just kind of like, don't know. Got to just take what life brings us right now. Absolutely. And it can make us feel a little bit sad to think that we took things like that for granted because we've gone to so many of these trade shows and there's never been a problem before. (laughs) So we just naturally assume that they will always be there for us and we'll always have the option. And to your point, we don't know if, when, or how these events are coming back. And that is a little sad. The other day, you and I were also talking about Thanksgiving, which is coming up very soon as of the time that this episode comes out. This episode is coming out when? The 23rd. So Thanksgiving is just a few days away. And uh, it's interesting thinking about the things that I've typically done on Thanksgiving and what I did last year, which was you and I, Jason, went to that huge Thanksgiving potluck that has been held at Pollution Studios run by our friend Asher Brown. And that event is just so much fun. But (laughs) it's like weird to think about even doing something like that anymore. And then simultaneously sad. And I'm also wondering how many people are going to continue with events like that and think that they're being safe and cautious by doing them outside and distant and all of that. That's a whole nother subject, but noticing how people misjudge their safety during COVID has been really interesting. And then the other event that I went to last year was a big... And you too, Jason. We went to two separate events, big indoor Thanksgiving celebrations with other people and just looking back and feeling like, wow, (laughs) when am I going to get to do something like that again? Mm, Yeah. It's bittersweet because I think it is something that certainly I took for granted. You mentioned taking it for granted, Whitney, these these seemingly innocuous things of human community and human connection and gatherings and 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 realizing, man, how I think, you know, the thing for me is like realizing how much we take all these things for granted. And these seemingly innocuous everyday things like gatherings, dinners, getting together with friends. I, I'm just realizing how much I miss those things. And to your point, I was seeing some articles online about how to adequately prepare if you are going to be having friends and family over for uh, Thanksgiving this year. And the article was alluding to the fact that you know everyone should have a mandatory quarantine period of 14 days prior to Thanksgiving and everyone needs to have accountability tracing. And, and it was just this complex list of how to, quote, safely get together for Thanksgiving. And I was reading the list, shaking my head, going like, this is so incredibly complicated now. Like if we just want to have a simple, whatever, family dinner and do it according to kind of these higher level safety standards, it's a lot of steps. Like it's an insane amount. of. And after I read that, I was like, I think I'm just going to get a carry out and we're going to call it a day. So that <laughs> that's the current plan for Thanksgiving is, is I think just, you know, get a coordinated carry out and be done with it. Well, you also brought up the word accountability, and I think that's huge. If anything, during this series that we've done on the Take Charge ebook, which was really inspired by people's need for accountability and need for 
finding a way to be consistent. And I think consistency is so needed right now because a lot of people are inconsistent with their behaviors. And one discussion I've had with some friends recently is that it's kind of similar to being sexually active with a variety of people. Like, let's say that you in your life are not committed to one person. Like, you've had sexual relationships with multiple people beyond, you know, some people don't actually, which, gosh, it's, it's so incredible for people that only been sexually intimate with one person their entire lives. But I would say it's very common for people to have multiple partners, right? And so if you're in that latter category, you know that you're at risk every time you're with somebody. And at least for me and my mentality and and people around me, there is kind of like this assumption that somebody would tell you (laughs) if they're at risk for something, that somebody would tell you if they have an STD. And you kind of put a lot of trust into someone because there's fears of it ruining intimacy. And people talk about how birth control can feel like it gets in the way of intimacy. But we all know that birth control is wise, not just to protect our health, but also for pregnancy and all of that. And yet, a lot of the times, people will make assumptions or they'll be lenient. And then sometimes they have major consequences from it. And I think COVID is very similar in a lot of ways. Like We can make assumption that somebody is healthy that doesn't have COVID. We can make an assumption that someone's quarantined. We can make assumption that they're wearing masks and doing all of these things. But do we ever really know? Like It does take a lot of trust and it can simultaneously lead to major paranoia. And I know for me, coming back to the trip side of things, when I look back on my two-month-long road trip, which I wasn't driving the entire time, to be clear. I, I took 10 days to drive to Massachusetts, where my family is. I traveled a little bit on the East Coast. And then I took eight and a half days to drive back to Los Angeles at the end of that trip. And in hindsight, I feel like I wasn't as safe as perhaps I could have been or maybe should have been. And a lot of the reasons or the main reason I should say that I took those risks is because I assumed that the people I was with were being mindful and safe. And that's what they said. So I was taking their word for it. But everybody has their different versions of safety. And I think that's what's really tricky about traveling and socializing during the holidays is our desire to spend time together is so strong that we convince ourselves that ev- that we have been safe enough and the people around us have been safe enough. And I think that leaves a lot of room for error. So consistency starts to play a big role in here. And mindfulness is like, I feel more comfortable right now around people that are getting tested, that people are barely socializing. But I'm also recognizing that if I'm not with them, I have no idea what they're doing. And I have to kind of assume that they aren't being as safe as I am. Not because I don't trust them, but because it feels mentally safer to me to like assume they're exposing themselves to other people and and not quite realizing it, if it makes sense. It also reminds me of one other thing, Jason. You know when um, you're around somebody who isn't vegan? There's a very common response. I think it 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 um often stems from insecurity. 
is someone will go, well, I don't eat that much meat. My parents are a great example. They have told me they don't eat that much fish and they don't eat that much dairy. But when I'm visiting them, I notice that they eat, from my perception, a ton of dairy. And they're eating fish at like every single meal. And every once in a while, even though they consider themselves pescatarian, every once in a while, my parents eat meat. Like they'll have a slice of bacon or something. And so (laughs) their definition of moderation is very different than mine. But if you were to take their definition at face value and assume that it's the same as yours, you would have a completely different picture of what it looks like to eat that way. And I think it's very common. Like someone will say, well, I don't eat that much sugar. But if they start tracking the amount of sugar that they eat, they may realize that they're eating a lot more than they thought they were because our heads are not always reflective of reality. And I think the same thing can be true with COVID. Yeah, it's, I think, having really honest conversations with the people in your life and you have to take their word for what it is, honestly, because if you don't, if you're not tracking their movements and who they're in contact with, you just have to take people at their word. But that's my point, though, is if you take somebody at their word, what if their definition of safety is radically different than yours? Well, this is the challenge, though, isn't it? It's because um, I think maybe like, okay, who have you been around? Have you been in public? Da, da, da. I mean, I've had had conversations with um, friends that, you know, were definitely more cautious than, than others. And you know, they wanted to know a little bit more detail about where I've been, who I've been in contact with, et cetera, et cetera. So I don't know. I kind of feel like the the terminology that I see floating around right now, Whitney, is PODS, P-O-D-S, that for, say, our dear friend Adam, who's been a guest on the podcast, he, his partner Pam and their daughter Cora, they have like, you know, pods of very specific people that they see and they don't really go beyond that pod. So I think that that's going to be a terminology we're going to see a lot is kind of this conversation sort of like we have with STDs and who we've been in contact with and active with. But I think that families and friends and groups are going to be forming like really small, controlled, well-communicated with pods. That's kind of just what I see sociologically being spoken about. Well, that kind of leads into one of the first pieces of advice in this section about travel in the ebook, which is about making it a personal connection. And I think this advice was stemming from how do you motivate yourself to travel more? <laughs> which, which again, this is what's changed since we put out this ebook. You, the listener, may not be seeking out travel opportunities as you may have in 2019 or the beginning of 2020, right? <laughs> so it's interesting to look at this in context. You know, one of the first tips came from Shoshana Chaim, who said, as a speaker, traveling for work is important and also provides some independence while connecting with so many great people from different parts of the world. So for her, she was finding that balance between traveling for work and also using those work opportunities an option an opportunity to connect with all sorts of incredible people that she might not normally meet. And I certainly found this to be true during my road trip because I ended up having socially distant or I I don't know why I keep using that term. It's it's almost like that got ingrained in my head. And I, I don't like that word because it's it's implying that you're not going to socialize. So I prefer physical distant interactions with people. So I met up with people 
along the way, you know, when I drove out to Massachusetts, uh, my friend Leanne and I did this trip together and we saw her parents and we met up with a wonderful woman named Rachel who I'd never met. And we really did our best to be mindful when we saw them to keep a certain distance, to obviously wear our masks, to wash our hands and sanitize and all of those things. And I felt like we did a really good job. I also saw my family and it was wonderful because I wasn't doing the trip to see them, but they happened to be along the way or it was easy for me to adjust the route that we took to see these people. And it did feel like an amazing connection, right? But there were certainly moments in almost every single interaction that I had where people got more relaxed with one another and started to get closer. And I would have this like gut feeling that maybe we're a little too close. Maybe we shouldn't be doing this. But it was overridden by the desire for personal connection. And I think that's part of the challenge here is this desire to travel, this desire to experience something normal, this desire to to see each other during the holidays or this COVID fatigue that many of us are experiencing that can lead us to want to leave and go somewhere further than where we have been. I think that's great. But if you're anything like me, it's very challenging to continue operating at the ideal safety distance, right? Like, honestly, (laughs) and this is no joke, but I wish that I had literally had a measuring stick because I greatly misjudged how far away six feet is. Really? Oh, yeah. Visually, you mean like the sense of someone's in front of you, what you thought was six feet away was what, Whitney, more like three or four? No, (laughs) Probably. Yeah. Interesting. And I think the same thing is with them too. And the amount of people, especially on my trip back, which I haven't talked about much on the show yet. So I'll, I'll dabble a little here. On my drive back, I drove by myself, which now I can say overtly. I didn't say that during the trip because I didn't want anyone to know. And so I, it was a little bit more ideal because since I was by myself, I was not being exposed to anyone else unless I chose to versus... When I drove to Massachusetts, I was with Leanne. So every, everything was... Our risks were doubled the entire time because we had to really trust one another, be in integrity. We had to communicate. It was a lot more work and a little bit riskier to travel with somebody versus going completely alone with my dog gave me like more independence and, and a better sense of, of safety. However, because I was traveling alone, I felt more of a desire to see people along the way. And so I ended up interacting with a lot more people on my drive back to Los Angeles. And in hindsight, I think I might have overdone it. (laughs) And I certainly, certainly let other people's boundaries overlap mine, if that's the right way to phrase it. Or override. Yes, override would be a better one. Whereas there were multiple people actually... I would say almost everybody, if not everybody I saw, was a little bit more comfortable getting closer to me and not wearing a mask around me than I was. And so I found myself letting down my guard more. And the reason that I hesitated in that is because when I returned from my trip, I took a COVID test and my result was positive. And this is the first time I've publicly talked about it. 
I'm trying to find more bravery in, in talking about my positive result. And I feel like it's an important thing to bring up because I think some people perceive me as being paranoid or too strict. But when I got that positive result, I realized, I don't know if I had been strict enough. And the ripple effect of having to call and message every single person I saw and every place I went to to let them know that I could have potentially exposed them was a lot. Now, granted, as of this moment, I'm not sure that I actually had or potentially have COVID because after I got that positive result, I went and I got a second test because I didn't believe the first one, to be honest. And I don't know if I was just in denial, but I went and got a second test the day after, even though, let me tell you, technically that was not allowed (laughs) by the city of Los Angeles. I probably should have stayed home for a full two weeks, but I really intuitively didn't think that I was positive. So I got a second test and that result was negative. And I thought that would give me some peace of mind, but it didn't. So a few days ago, I went and I got a third test, which is probably really extreme to people, but I really wanted to know what the third test would say. Unfortunately, as of the time of this recording, I have not received the results yet because they take some time. And um, I will keep you posted in uh, the next episode. Hopefully I can reveal that. But here's the reason I bring this up is, gosh, I mean, I could go on a whole rant or have a whole discussion with you, Jason, about whether or not to trust COVID results. I don't know if you want to discuss your experiences as well. Uh, Because this episode isn't meant to be about COVID specifically. We're really meant to talk about travel. But because the time that we're in right now, COVID is a huge consideration when it comes to travel. And I use my story as a cautionary tale because it's possible I had COVID. It's possible that test was accurate. And looking back over the amount of times that I got together with close friends or family members, and stood closer than six feet to them, I wonder, gosh, I could have given them COVID. And that's a horrible feeling. And then simultaneously wondering, did any of them give me COVID? Right? Because there were times where they didn't wear a mask around me. And so I didn't wear a mask. And we both were putting each other at risk. And in hindsight, it just wasn't worth it. Like there's no reason that we should have been that lenient with each other. But because of how much we wanted to have that deeper connection and feel like we were normal again, we let our guards down. And that's where it reminds me of sex. It's like a lot of the times we make decisions because it feels more exciting or maybe even feels better physically to do certain things that aren't as cautious. But you're putting yourself at risk and you know, if you get an STD, it could affect your health for the rest of your life. If you get pregnant, that's a lifelong decision and consequence, for lack of a better word in this case, that you're paying for a moment of pleasure. And there's not necessarily shame in it because I think as human beings, we're all susceptible to that temptation to be less safe with one another, to risk it. It's not something that we should feel bad about doing necessarily, but we really need to acknowledge that the consequences can be really high. 
And if I have to be an example of that, I want to be because I just know so many people who who don't think that there's a risk of getting COVID. And that makes me really nervous for the state of this country and the world. Yeah, I don't think you're being like overwrought or extreme, Whitney. And I just want to acknowledge you too for sharing what's been going on because I think it it gives a really good context to this entire conversation. So I just want to thank you for being extra uncomfortable and vulnerable and talking about your COVID status and what's been going on with that. And I mean, since we're on it and we're in it and we're probably com- coming close to the middle of this episode-ish, I do want to chime in with my stuff too, because in previous episodes, I talked about my motorcycle accident, but I think there are other layers too beyond the accident and complications with the accident and the impending surgery that I haven't talked about yet publicly. So I think this is a good time to bring that up and also add credence to what you're talking about. We are going to take a brief break because I promised you at the beginning of this episode that I was going to tell you more about the consistency code. We launched this in 2019, right before the new year, and had an incredible time with our clients and our friends and everyone who enrolled. For you, we have a very special offer, as Whitney mentioned. It's a four-week video coaching program. The segments are pre-recorded, and the whole crux of the consistency code and why Whitney and I decided to put this together and have been promoting it, and I am extending it to you for the special offer, is because it's going to help you really find direction and develop the consistency that you need to stick with healthy, fulfilling habits. We found over and over again, not only for ourselves, but for the people we work with, you can have all of the aims and the goals and the habits that you want. But if it's not consistent and you're not integrating it into your daily practice in a way that is sustainable, the compound benefits won't be there. So by being consistent, you start to prioritize your self-care. You start to improve your time management. You eventually boost your self-confidence. It's really about just creating the self-discipline and the focus that you need to stick with healthy, fulfilling habits in 2021 and way beyond. This is not just about a new year thing. This is about really re-landscaping consistent metrics in your life and frameworks that help you stick to what you say you're going to do, right? So consistency, we know it's the key to everything from losing weight, gaining physical or mental strength, making more mindful, healthy food choices, getting more energy in your life, and just being more present. We talk a lot about presence and mindfulness. And the consistency code in four weeks really helps you just anchor all of those things in. So we mentioned it's on special right now. It's 50 bucks. It ends on November 30th. And we really would love for you to join us for this program because we really think it's going to give you the tools, the frameworks, the the perspectives that you need to really just gain that higher level of consistency in your life. You can get this course at the special price of just $50, which is... 25% of what it normally costs. Plus, you get a whole slew of other amazing programs in there as a bonus. You can sign up for this at bundle.wellevator.com. That's spelled B-U-N-D-L-E dot W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R dot com. Or just go to wellevator.com, find the show notes for this episode, find the consistency code. We'll make it super easy for you. We promise. If you can't find it, just send us a message. We'll point you in the right direction. Make sure to do that before it ends on November 30th. So the layer of complexity I'm talking about that I want to add to this part of the conversation in this episode is that I also had a similar experience, Whitney, to you in that I went in for a COVID test when I returned from Detroit. So to go back a little bit 
further. When I landed in Detroit in October to visit my mom, a few days after I landed, I went and got a negative COVID test in Detroit. And then I came back to LA on October 24th. A few days later, I had a negative test on October 26th. I had my motorcycle accident that I talked about at length in one of our previous episodes. I have a titanium plate in my clavicle right now, and I just had surgery two days ago. So if I sound high during this episode, it's because I am. Uh, (laughs) Painkillers, yay. So anyway, going back to it, I had my motorcycle accident November 1st, and then they were going to try and do the surgery on me on November 5th. So I had to get a test the day before. Went in. Mind you, I had a previ- two previous negative tests, Whitney. I had just come back from Detroit, and they're like, we can't do the surgery on you. I literally got to the hospital at 6 a.m. for my surgery. They said, we can't let you in. You had a positive COVID test. So then I go for three more tests after my positive result, and the next three tests were negative. So over the course of three weeks, I had six COVID tests, five were negative, one was positive. I can't say with absolute certainty that it was a false positive, but five negative, one positive is definitely strange. And I've been just doing a lot of research on the concern with a lot of the PCR tests and that some of the tests were actually flawed uh, that got sent to you know hospitals and, and the US to use. So it's really hard to decode all this. You know, I, I'm, I guess I'm saying all of this because I chose to fly to Detroit. I knew what the risks were. I wanted to see my family. I thought I was taking as many precautions as I could. I feel like I've been really mindful in terms of a lot of the standard precautions. And yet, I also, much like you, got a positive COVID test. And it's a bit of a head scratcher because I haven't had any symptoms. It did delay my surgery, which was aggravating and fucking painful. But I wanted to get more tests like you did, Wit. And you're like, oh, that might sound extreme. I wanted to be sure, like if I if I have this one positive and then I get three subsequent negative tests, y'all better get my ass in for surgery, like stat. So I ended up getting surgery. Surgery was successful. I feel good. I'm mending, but the whole the whole complication to your point, Whitney, though, for me was another layer in the sense that because of that positive test, I had my surgery delayed a week, right? So I'm sitting in pain with a broken clavicle, freaking out, trying to deal with the pain every day. Had I had a negative test, I would have had surgery the next day. So mine was more complex in the sense that it really caused a lot of havoc in my life having to wait for that surgery. And this is the danger of traveling in general, you know, is whenever you travel in a car, on a motorcycle, on a plane, like there are risks to your physical safety. And that's not meant to scare you. But I remember getting that text message about your accident while I was driving, Jason, you know, luckily, it popped up on my screen, and I didn't have to look down at my phone on my car screen. But (laughs) it just got me thinking so much about how travel is also physically dangerous for us. And yet we do it anyways. And it's a big evaluation knowing that anytime we do anything, it can be risky. And and this is part of a discussion that you and I both had throughout these travel conversations in the last few months. You know, you had originally asked me, Jason, why I was choosing to drive instead of fly. 
And personally, I still feel much more comfortable driving than flying, even though getting in a car accident is much more likely to occur than a plane accident. (laughs) So then part of me was like, huh, did I make the right decision? Because every time I drove, there was a moment I thought, this is dangerous. And I saw some crazy driving on my trip and all the different ways people drive across the country was fascinating. And the weather, I mean, there were so many factors. And then to hear the story of you going out for a joyride, Jason, feeling really comfortable and secure on your bike, you never anticipated getting in an accident. You know that it's possible, right? And so it actually ties into this conversation is, we have to really decide what our comfort level is with risk. And everybody's going to have a different opinion on that. That is a really personal decision, even though we have to remember that it does have a ripple effect in other people. So a car accident is very likely to affect somebody else, whether a car crashes into me, I crash into another car, I have a crash on the side of the road, which causes a traffic jam or somebody else to to end up in an accident as a result of mine you know there's so many other people involved with this just like with covid and that was also the big wake up call for me when i had to track back and think of every single person i saw and then in my head try to think like did i expose them did they expose me what were we doing were we being mindful i mean It took me about five hours, literally, that day after getting that positive result to go through my whole travel history in the past two weeks and try to make sure I was remembering everybody and everything that I did. And then here's the other interesting thing, Jason. A lot of people were congratulating me for doing that as if if it was rare. To be that responsible. Wait, wait, wait. People were congratulating you for going back through your entire travel itinerary and messaging every single person you were in contact with? Correct. To me, that would seem like that would be standard practice. I feel the same way. Just like I feel like getting a COVID test is standard practice, but I recognize through the process that most people I know has never had a COVID test and never felt the need for it. And some people didn't get tested even after my positive results. And I had seen them within those two weeks and they still chose not to get tested because they didn't have symptoms. And I will say that through this process of researching COVID in the past week and talking to the practitioners at the testing facilities I've been to, they have all told me, you know, the online research and the people in person have all indicated how common it is to be asymptomatic. And gosh, I mean, (laughs) the more I talk about this, the more I'm like, I just feel like travel is a huge risk right now. I'm just going to come out and say it. That's my personal opinion. And this episode is not meant to tell you, the listener, right or wrong. We're not trying to sway you in one direction or another, honestly. like We're not here to give you advice because we're not COVID experts. We're not doctors. We're not researchers. We're not scientists. We are two individuals who have had our personal experiences and have our opinions that may or may not be reflective of yours. But the more I speak about it, the more I think this is a really risky time. And if people I know aren't taking it seriously, if it's rare to get tested, 
if it's common to be asymptomatic, I think our exposure is a lot higher than any of us would like to believe. And if anything, that reality check is key. And I, if, if, I, if you, the listener, can take one takeaway from this episode, it's like just to reflect on it and to really do your own research, to spend a lot of time weighing out the pros and cons. And if you decide that the pros of traveling outweigh the cons, then maybe that's the right decision for you. If you're allowed to do it, you know, again, we don't know what's going to happen in the upcoming days ever, but uh, things are changing drastically. It's also interesting to look back through this ebook, Jason. One of the contributors said, there's no substitute for connecting and building community with others face to face. If there is a screen separating you and someone else in any way, there is something missing. And what he meant was like a screen as in your computer or your phone. But (laughs) it's kind of funny to read that because now that's the norm. The norm is to have Zoom calls and Skype and FaceTimes and, and whatever else that you're using. The norm is to literally have a screen and usually um, a plastic partition in between you and someone else. Like we are literally separated. And I think this is the reason that people want to travel is because we are exhausted by this. It is actually detrimental to us in some ways to be this con- disconnected from others. So if you have the urge to travel or just to see somebody, I get it. It's just an unfortunate thing that it is so risky. Yeah, this is the challenge because I think what we're talking about now is a super fundamental value assessment for each person. And to go on the record, you know, I, Whitney and I have our sociological beliefs, our political beliefs, our spiritual beliefs. We have what I believe for both of us continually evolving perspective and hopefully always being open enough to consider new perspectives on life, right? This is such a fast-moving conversation about not only the virus, but how it's affecting our entire society. I mean, we talk ad nauseum about the political, spiritual, socioeconomic ramifications as we understand them. But my point is that we're not telling you what to do. It's more of like Whitney and I are just exploring our level of safety, comfort, risk, reward in real time. And I'm saying all this, Whitney, to say that at a certain point, I think that if people are deprived of physical connection, if they're deprived of human contact or proximity contact to people that they care about, we're paying, we're paying with something else, right? It's, it's a sense of isolation and disconnection to loved ones. That, that We're talking now about like the mental health and spiritual complications of not being able to see people we love. So to back up your point, it's like each person has to make an assessment of what is their perception of safety, as you said, What is their consideration of the risk they're taking perhaps physically to travel versus the benefit they're going to get mentally, psychologically, spiritually from seeing the people they love, right? And this is a very tough thing because if we stay deprived of that too long, there are serious implications for society of of staying that disconnected for too long. And so I think that's the flip side of this conversation, isn't it? Is like every single situation we're in, what is the risk reward assessment of the benefit of the connection and the beauty versus potentially putting myself or the other person at physical risk. It's it's tough. I don't know that there's a right answer. I don't think that there is either because I think the right answer is what feels right to you given the circumstances and given the present moment. Because as I said, and as we've been talking about so frequently, there 
the answer is constantly changing. It's revealing itself. We are in a place of uncertainty. Even the most knowledgeable people on viruses don't have all the answers. So how could we as as you know, common folk <laughs> have the answers to this stuff and, and to assume that we do is really in our ego. And I get very triggered by that. You know, I've I've been incredibly triggered by posts on social media and messages from friends who want to try to convince me. And in some ways, the term gaslighting is actually a good one here. I saw somebody use this in the context of COVID recently. And I thought, that's how I feel sometimes. I feel like when I talk about my comfort level and my experiences with COVID, people will kind of gaslight me to try to make me feel like I'm being paranoid or I'm being too strict or I'm, I'm believing or I, you know, I'm not believing the conspiracy theories or the reality, like all of these things, like people just want to convince you to believe things their way. And as we've talked about so much on these episodes, like who are any of us to know? I think a lot of the times when somebody comes across as as having the answers, that makes them feel good. That's like a coping mechanism. It's easier for them to believe that because that makes them feel safe. That makes them feel protected in a way. Like if we can just believe that we're safe in those situations and we've made it this far, you know, my feeling is you've been lucky because <laughs> I know people firsthand that have COVID. And that was a recent thing. In fact, when Jason got his positive result, he was the third person in one week to test positive for COVID. And then I was the fourth. So I had my firsthand experience, plus three other people in one week's time. And this all happened in the past two weeks of the time of this recording. And so we've all basically been lucky not to test positive beforehand but I wasn't getting tested before my travel. You know, if anything, I'm grateful that my travel happened because that that was inspiring me to get tested in the first place. The whole reason I got tested was to protect my loved ones. I wanted to protect my parents, so I got tested before seeing them. And I wanted to protect anyone that I came in contact with when I returned from my trip, but I even thought like there's no way I'm going to be positive because I've been so safe. And even if that test wasn't accurate, it was certainly humbling. Yeah. I mean, humility plays a big role in all this. I think the collective addiction to certainty is being broken in our culture. And I think for people to have an explanation or the desire to have an explanation for all of this is an addiction to certainty. I think it's a transmutation of if I know what is happening and I can explain it, I will therefore feel safe in a potentially unsafe situation. But our philosophy, if I may, is more like lean into the uncertainty, lean into the unknown. Be honest if there's a question and the real answer is, I don't know. You know, I think some people are frightened by the prospect of saying, I don't know to something. You know, they've got to have an explanation of where it came from, what it's doing, how to protect yourself. And I'm not saying that knowledge isn't power, but I do think that humility can go a long way in our society right now of, not knowing the full ramifications and implications of this entire global situation. I don't know. I just think humility is a good... Uh, I just want to piggyback on that, Whitney. I think people would do really good to just stare down you know, the chasm of uncertainty and say, I don't know. And to me, I think that'd be a lot more honest in many regards. Yeah. And it's, 
it can feel very lonely too. Like on the subject matter of, of personal connection, I think the reason that we desire travel in some cases, first of all, I mean, one thing we haven't even addressed today, it is possible to travel by yourself and not see a single person up close. <laughs> you know, like right now, any urges that I have to travel, I think could be fulfilled by me going on a road trip and having as few interactions, if, if not zero interactions with somebody else. You know, like on my trip, I wore gloves every time I went to the Tesla charging station because people had advised that based on how many other people were potentially touching the charging stations. Mind you, most of the charging stations I went to were empty and probably barely had anybody visiting them. So that was kind of a perk. But uh, even the stations that were busy, most people were in their cars waiting for their charge to complete. And so I never got even close to them whatsoever. And then, you know, as I discussed in some of the episodes about my road trip, I found all sorts of ways to not go indoors, to be really mindful about how often I used restrooms and how I used restrooms and went to the bathroom and all of that. And I learned a lot of amazing ways to kind of be more isolated during travel. So I think one important element of this, even though our Take Chargey book leads with the personal connection side of it, if you do not feel safe connecting with somebody, even at a distance, then I want to remind you that you can get in your car and you could go do a day trip or you could go do a short camping trip and you can put yourself in positions where you barely interact with anyone. The beauty about camping is there's all sorts of ways that you can avoid other people. And you can find that fulfillment in travel while you're alone, or maybe you live with somebody, you know, take the person that you live with, or you spend a lot of time with, with you, because you already know that that person is safe, hopefully. (laughs) Um, And so like for you, Jason, like you could go on that road trip you're craving, and just camp. And I think that would be a, a really great way to get that travel experience. And I can certainly attest to how fulfilling that felt. And I, I actually rarely felt lonely. You know, a lot of people were concerned about me do, driving across country by myself. First of all, I didn't have a lot of opportunities to be lonely because I met up with a, a variety of people along the way. If looking back, if I had changed that, I think it would have still been really lovely. You know, I stayed at one of the most incredible campsites I've ever been to in Arizona. And like, I would just go there and back, you know, like that was so amazing. And it was on somebody's farm. I saw one person, the campsite can have up to eight people, but there are only four spots. So technically it could be as as few as four separate people or or, or uh, four couples. Or you could be the only one there depending on when you book. And like I would go back there by myself in a heartbeat. It was so beautiful. And the people that ran the farm came by and you know didn't get any closer than 10 feet away from me. And so it was like, hey, like that felt like a really safe experience. You know, so travel really can be what you want it to be. And in this, in the ebook, we talk about like making things affordable. You know, camping can be a really affordable way to travel. Uh, It doesn't have to be fancy. Like you can shape travel into whatever you need from it. If you're looking to experience different parts of the country, that is generally accessible to you. 
if you're looking to clear your head, like sometimes just taking a long drive can do that. Or in Jason's case, a motorcycle ride. Although I'm curious, actually, Jason, we haven't um, talked about this recently. How do you feel about riding your motorcycle after your accident? Speaking of risk taking. I don't know yet, to be honest with you. I, I really don't know. I'm, I, the bike needs to be fixed up a little bit. It's dinged. It's not, it's got a few cosmetic things, but honestly, I took the brunt of the accident much harder than the bike, which is good, but I don't know yet. I mean, part of me kind of feels like, is this, uh, you know, what is the excitement of risk taking anyway? I mean, this really, this really comes down to kind of like a deeper conversation as you're asking me whether or not I feel like I'm going to ride the motorcycle again. I think it really comes down to, am I comfortable with that amount of risk in my life now? I've been riding for over 20 years since I was, when did I start my riding motorcycles? 22, 21. And I just think that it's going to be an honest assessment because is the physical and emotional pain that I have been going through and am going through during this healing process, is it worth the thrill of riding the bike? You know, this is really what the conversation comes down to. Like, this is, I'm extremely uncomfortable. You know, I'm healing. I'm in pain. It's very weird. I have this thing implanted in my body. But yet, you know, I do love riding motorcycles and I love going fast. I love being in fast cars. I love being on motorcycles. But I don't know. Maybe there's some, maybe there is something else where I can put my thrill seeking into that's a little more safe or as, our dear friend Pam said to me, she's like, sell the fucking bike and get a cool car. And I was like, oh, okay. So several people have kind of said that because they know me. They're like, just sell the fucking bike, get a cool car. Okay. Just it's safer. So I don't know. The answer is, I don't know, Whitney, I need to heal first and feel more normal before I make that decision. And also, uh, uh, you know, buff the bike out a little bit and make sure that that's healed too. Well, I, that actually ties into one of the points from the ebook was to learn from it, you know? (laughs) In this quote, it's about travel is the best form of education, but so are accidents. Accidents teach us a lot. And when we have these experiences, that's where we can really make the decision about how we want to proceed in our lives. And going back to the ebook, you know, there were a few other parts that I wanted to highlight before we start to wrap the episode. One of them is about integrating into the culture, you know, and I think that's one of the reasons that people want to travel so much is we have a desire to experience different cultures. We sometimes feel like we should experience different cultures, you know, and that was a huge benefit for me traveling across the country, especially during the pandemic and during the election. I was seeing different types of people. I was seeing different parts of land. I mean, that was such a gift. And I would go do that again. I think I would I would feel more comfortable in hindsight being extra mindful. And even if it came across as paranoid to other people, I would have preferred it that way. I think I got a little too worried that I was going to offend people. You know, like some people wanted to hug me. And normally I would never hug someone during COVID, but I hugged them because they felt comfortable because they wanted it. But that's not really what I felt comfortable with. It's I certainly did want to hug. I mean... Who doesn't want to hug? That connection is is so special right now. But I just don't think it was worth it. And um, one of the other points in the book, too, is about putting your family first. And that was actually one of the biggest takeaways is seeing my parents was the big reason that I did that trip. 
yes, I enjoyed seeing the culture integrating and, and traveling around as everything I just said, but it really was about my family. And I also, in hindsight, even though I crossed some boundaries that I wasn't fully comfortable with COVID-wise, I'm glad that my family is safe right now. They have been tested negative and they are all in good health. I got to see people that I may never see again because we can't take any of that for granted. My parents are getting older, just like everybody else's, if they're still around. I saw an uncle that's not in phenomenal health. I didn't get to see another uncle because you know, he wasn't in a good house place to see me. I got to see a cousin and a few cousins actually that I haven't seen in a really long time. I got to see one of my mom's cousins that I haven't seen in a long time. Like, gosh, those were gifts. It's just that looking back when I, after I got that positive result, I immediately thought of all of them. And I thought, God forbid that I pass COVID onto any of them. And imagine what they were thinking. Like, what if they were afraid they passed it to me? You know what I mean? So yes, put your family first. But I think putting your family first means really being selfless and taking the best care of your health possible so that you can be around for them so that you would never risk them. One of my friends who I had a COVID conversation with this week said, she desperately wants to see family. She really wants to go travel for Thanksgiving. It feels horrible not to be with her family during that time. But she said she's staying home because she can couldn't live with herself if she were to inadvertently give any of her family members COVID. And that reflection from her gave me pause and, and had, had me thinking like, did I really make the best choice in doing my trip? How about you, Jason? Because your, your trip was very driven by visiting your mother. Like, what did you think? Did you immediately panic that you gave it to your mom? There was some of that. Yeah. It's, I mean, after the confusion of, wait, I just had a negative test. Now I have a positive test. Even in my confusion, I thought, okay, I, I need to do what in my opinion is the right thing to do, which is whether or not it's a positive or a false positive. That's not the point. It's the point that if, if I look back on the next, or I'm sorry, the last 14 days, right? Who did I have interactions with? So it was calling my mom, it was calling my friend Michael, it was calling a, a small handful of friends that I had seen because I hadn't seen that many people in Detroit or even when I had gotten back from Detroit and came back to California. But then some of the people I told Whitney chose to tell the people they were in contact with, right? And say like, a, a dear friend of ours actually had a positive COVID test, just wanted to let you know if you guys want to go get tested. So we're talking about a much bigger ripple effect, again, depending on how people interpret it what their belief systems are around it, and their level of safety protocol. So yeah, I, I had a moment of like, if my mom gets ill, if you know my mentor Michael gets ill, if, if my close friends, one of which who's immunocompromised-ish, it was like my mind was just going down this rabbit hole of, oh God, oh God, oh God. If I am absolutely positive and I get them sick, much like you said, how the hell will I live with myself? So thankfully, everyone that I was in contact with went to get tested, everyone tested negative, and then the extension people they let know also tested negative. So that was a, that was a relief. I'm not going to lie, Wit. Like that, that moment of you know, getting the texts back from everyone and being like, okay, we're negative. It was, you know, my health is one thing. My, my healing journey that I'm on right now is its own thing. But the idea of inadvertently giving it to other people, two of which are in their 70s, right? It's, 
my mind was just going crazy with those possibilities. So I'm kind of right there with you. Yeah. And that's the other thing I want to say, and also as a great note to end on is in one of my Beyond Measure calls, which I have weekly, it's a private community that I run and will eventually tell you the listener more about. But right now it's it's in a invite-only beta testing version. And um, we had a call today. We were talking about COVID. It comes up very often during the calls because it's, it's basically a, a group support community. And um, one of the girls was saying that it helped her to think that if she was going to get COVID, she couldn't control it. Because she said for her mental health, it was too hard to be paranoid. It was too hard for her to fear it. It was too hard for her to go about her life wondering if she was going to get it and what would happen and, and like being scared about her every move. And I thought that was really interesting because I think it's, a, it's the balance, really. And that's why there is no right or wrong. Balance means something different to each of us. Each of us have a different relationship with our mental health. And for some people, perhaps being worried about getting COVID is too mentally hard for them. That causes them too much anxiety. They feel like they can't operate. Maybe it is a coping mechanism to go about your life, quote, normally and think, well, if I'm going to get it, I'm going to get it. Whereas for me, I actually feel like my mental health feels better when I am being, quote, paranoid or strict or really careful. I would rather be more careful than anyone else I know simply because, as Jason just said, like I'd be caring for myself and for them. It feels worth it, even if I kind of feel ostracized, even if I feel like my friends look down upon me or think I'm crazy. It's temporary, you know? But for others, it feels worth the risk to see each other. It feels work, worth the risk to travel. It feels worth the risk to go on about life normally because that keeps them sane. And so I, I think a, a huge lesson for me has been just trying not to judge people. I can notice when I get triggered by people because that's my reaction to them but I don't need to pass judgment onto them. I can take responsibility and say, hey, like what this person said triggered me, bothered me, irritated me, whatever. But I can process that on my own. I don't need to go to them and tell them that because I don't want to make them feel bad for their COVID decisions, right? Yes, I have opinions about wearing masks and staying six feet apart and all that. But I got to recognize that some, not everybody's going to view COVID the way that I do. Right. And we can't control other people, anyways. Like, we could lecture people all we want. But <laughs> if you haven't noticed already, just because you tell somebody to do something doesn't mean that they're going to do it. So, I want to put my efforts within myself and continuing to have open minded conversations with other people. Like, I learn a lot from that. And sometimes my opinions change a little. Yeah. That's the whole reason we're doing this, right? Is to get deeper into getting new information and new perspectives. And I know for me, like I think selfishly, one of the reasons that I want to do this podcast, Whitney, is it feels like we're constantly in this deeper conversation here of exploration. And so that is really, I think the foundation, if it's your first time listening to the podcast or you're a long time listener, 
you know how we do it. It's very much an exploration. It's very much an experiment. And often in episodes, you're kind of watching Whitney and myself and sometimes our guests decode things in real time and explore concepts or be exposed to new ideas, ways of being, practices that we've never considered before. And to me, I think that's one of the coolest parts of life is expanding ourselves and willfully exposing ourselves to new ideas, new perspectives, new ways of living that may challenge or reform our own ways of living, right? I think that's that's one of the most exciting, sometimes scary, but ultimately rewarding parts of life for sure. This would normally be the time that we do a brand shout out, but today we are going to shout out ourselves, which is not something we do very often. Technically, this episode is sponsored by us with our program, The Consistency Code. You've heard us mention it a few times during this episode. Wanted to remind you again, because you might have been off daydreaming, multitasking. We may not have sat down to really consider it. And so we wanted to let you know one last time to check out this incredible sale that we're part of. It is the plant-based bundle sale. We have our course, the consistency code in there. It's normally $195 to participate in this program, but it's only $50. Plus you get like $2,000 worth of other amazing programs. So if you're interested in the consistency code, as Jason so wonderfully described about halfway through this episode, we really encourage you to check it out. You can click through at bundle.wellevator.com or go to the show notes section of wellevator.com, which if you've never visited before is spelled W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. We're always very mindful to spell it out for you because we know it's a made up word. And Jason is going to close out this little self-promotion with a song. What do you got for us, Jason? Better well, be even better than the one that you sang before, even though that was pretty good. Um, I think uh, uh, there just needs to be like a good theme song here, right? It's like, the consistency code. Uh-uh. The consistency code. If you're young or you're old, gotta feel real bold. Whether it's hot or it's cold, the consistency code. You got them goals you wanna do. But you don't know where to turn to. You got consistency code. Oh, uh, consistency code. Oh, uh, oh. Uh. Again, that's bundle.wellevator.com. Wow. You know, that reminded me a little of like Adam Sandler, Jason. And you did that all on the spot. You you did not practice this. That was improv. I prepare nothing. Nothing. Wow. That's impressive. And for you. Dear listener, if you are on that same life path of exploration and experimentation, taking risks, examining rewards, learning as we go, and continually being dedicated to not only our personal, but I think our collective global evolution, you're in the right place. And we also want to direct you to the ebook that we have been mentioning for the past several weeks in our episodes. And uh, once again, it's called Take Charge. It is a free resource that you can access on our website, which is wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com. You can go to the free resources section. You will find Take Charge along with some other amazing video trainings and eBooks we have written for you. And also, if you really want to go a level deeper, we have something awesome that we offer to you. We have a couple of courses, one of which is called the Consistency Code. The other one of which is called Wellness Warrior Training. And uh, we just want to support you all the time. You know, we want to really just give you as many resources as we can and uh, just put you on the right track. We're exploring this together. We're in this together. So if you want to connect with us directly, we always love receiving direct emails from you. You can email us at hello 
at wellevator.com. That comes directly to Whitney and myself. And you can follow us on all of the social media platforms. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, Pinterest, Instagram, YouTube, TikTok. And you know what? It's 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 funny, Whitney, because like I've had some ideas for doing things together on social media. And that's, you know, obviously one thing we want to put more effort toward. We talk about posting more, but it's gonna be tough, like with the physical distancing to like get TikTok videos done. I mean, if we did want to do more, like, is is there a way that we could like do them remotely in the same clip on the same account? I don't think you could do that from two separate phones, can you? Hmm. There's got to be a way. I just saw Drew Barrymore the other day. She's been doing her new talk show and having guests virtually there via green screen. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you see that too? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually, I actually like low key love her show. The parts that I've seen. Like low key, I like how crazy Drew Barrymore is. Like she's so sweet and she's so herself. But yeah, the green screen shit is cool. It's cool, a little weird, but very creative. And I'm sure we could find a way to do something like that, Jason, or just fuse our clips together. People have been doing it. It's it's not very common on TikTok these days, but but it, it can be done, sure. Well, in the spirit of experimentation, we shall attempt to figure it out because I have I have the tech wizard Whitney here on as my co-host, which thank God, Whitney, thank God for your technical skills. They have saved the day more than a handful of times over the course of our relationship. Anyway, with that said, dear listener, thank you for being uncomfortable with us as always, as we explore these topics of life, living, risk, reward, chances, risk, you know, just every single damn thing we talk about. Thank you for being on the journey with us. And we will see you again for another episode of This Might Get Uncomfortable real, real soon. Thanks for listening and getting out of your comfort zone with us today. For show notes and more high-performance resources to help you thrive, go to wellevator.com. That's W-E-L-L-E-V-A-T-R.com.